Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship to all who would stand for the reformation of Christ's church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. We are a ministry of union. Greetings and welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. My name is Justin Schell, your host. My prayer for you today is that we would live out that command of delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Would that be a command that we love to obey? And we are back for a second of three conversations with Dane Ortland. Today, we are going to be discussing feasting on and preaching on the book of Galatians. So we're just going to dig in to the book with someone who has spent a lot of time in the book, Pastor Dane Ortland from Naperville Presbyterian Church. Let's get started. Dane, thank you so much for joining us again for a second of three conversations. We're, we're, we're so glad you're back. I'm glad to do it, Justin. Thanks. <laughs> Listeners, if you, if you didn't hear, the first episode was on the first year of a pastor. We, we got to learn from Dane's experience and his, uh, in his role as lead pastor there at Naperville Presbyterian Church, and it was such a good time. I hope you'll go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But today we are talking about feeding on and preaching Galatians. Dane, you have a bit of a history with this book, Galatians, right? So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Mm, well, I think what you're referring to is some grad school study of it. Is that what you're talking about, Justin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my, yeah, my dissertation for my PhD was on, on zeal in Paul which picked up three texts in Paul, one of which is in Galatians 1. And I have just always loved the book of Galatians. There's nothing in the Bible quite like Galatians. So to spend those couple of years of focused study on that letter, though it can be quite unedifying to read, to read the monographs on Galatians, it is a glory to be able to get to know that book of the Bible better. Yeah, yeah wonderful. So for you, what, what is it about Galatians that you have found so life-giving and, and joy-creating, even if the monographs yeah. <laughs> don't help. What about the book itself has, has meant so much to you? Whew. It is so high-octane. It is so um, unfiltered, undiluted. It is, um, Paul is not, Paul's goal is not to be politically correct. His goal is not to get people to like him. His goal is not to be nice. His goal is to uh, rebuke and confront the pseudo-gospel that was taking root in the churches of Galatia. And so it is, in the whole Bible, it is the book that is at the top of the list in terms of giving sharp contour to the good news, to mm-hmm. the gospel. Uh, the, the, the gospel, of course, is the message of the whole Bible, but it, it looms more, more or less in the foreground of different books of the Bible. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's more in the background. It's still being carried along, and uh, the whole narrative that contributes to understanding the gospel is being advanced. But at some places, it's like the good news of grace, one by another, in our place, in defiance of what we deserve, bursts onto the scene, explodes into the surface like mm-hmm. a great white shark leaping out mm-hmm. of the surface, and it's just there it is in all of its glory and toothiness. That's what the gospel is like in the book of Galatians. So it is, uh, it, it's short. We've all written emails longer than Galatians. Mm-hmm. We wrote freshman in high school 
papers three or four times as long as Galatians, but it is very dense and it is glorious. Mm. Well, help us think then, Dane, a little bit about feeding on Galatians. So whether I'm, I'm a pastor or believer just wanting to grow, what would be some advice you'd give on personally reading, studying, and especially enjoying Galatians? Oh, okay. Well, uh, you there is no secret. I have nothing new to say. What you do is you sit down in an undistracted environment and open up your Bible to Galatians, and then you read one word at a time. So one thing I'm saying here is slowly, slow down. I mean, one, mm. one reason we get such thin, small help from the scripture is we're reading it too fast. We're taking it in way too quickly. And it's mm -hmm. not, we're not giving it time to absorb um, and, and drink it down. So, yeah. so read it slowly. Maybe that means you get a journaling Bible and jot thoughts down if your mm. mind can't slow down. Force yourself to slow down by using a pencil or a pen or a highlighter or a marker uh, or write out. I mean, one, one uh, purpose of the journaling Bibles, the ESV journaling Bibles that Crossway has been creating, is to let you simply have space to rewrite the text itself. There's something about writing the text mm. that helps get it into our bones. So read it slowly, number one. Number two, maybe read it with someone. Uh, sit down in uh, in the if it's nice weather out in the back porch or in a quiet room, two or three other people, and simply read it. Ask questions of, of um, about it to one another. A query it, uh, object to it. Say what's going on here? What could that mean? What doesn't it mean? Uh, seek to outline it. Under understand the stru structure, the inner logic of it. So there's Justin. There's no there's no secret thing here all we do is we have to slow down and it's like give your heart time to have the rpms so slow down that you are able to let the the text seep into your heart and soul mm. uh, that's probably 80 percent of the yeah. battle right there yeah i think you more than a, a lot of folks i know i hear you again and again say different times i've never noticed that mm. You know, um, right. th this idea of slowing down long yeah. enough to notice something that you've never noticed before, as we were talking about in the last episode, it, that we want it fast, we want it right away, right. Um, microwave, drive-through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so that advice of, of read slow, ask questions, dig in, could be true of, of any book of the Bible, any, any biblical, any, any mm -hmm. Bible reading we're doing in light of Galatians, any, any thoughts around coming to that book in particular? Let me take a stab at what you mean, brother. I mean, okay. one thing to keep in mind with a letter like Galatians, maybe Galatians more than any other book of the Bible is that there is a very tightly reasoned logic and flow. Uh -huh. So as you, as we're reading the the scripture. We want a good translation like the ESV or the, the NASB or the CSB that will show us transparently um, not just the big nouns and verbs, but also the little conjunctions and connectors, uh, the therefores and the um, for this reason and mm. as a result and so on to show us the flow of thought, to help us see what what actually is the point in these 10 or 12 or 20 verses that Paul is funneling down into and then flowing out from? So it's Galatians is not a list. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a list of, you know, here's what God is like and here's what you were like. Let me give you 20 things of each. It's a letter that has a certain 
coherence and inner logic that has to be traced out. And that is why it's helpful to, uh, to seek to outline the book, structure the book, follow the flow of thought, talk, get a good commentary or two, and uh, do that. And that will cause the, the meaning of the letter to pop in a way that it wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. And let's say, um, let's say now I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm planning on preaching Galatians in the coming year. You, you did that last year. As I come to this book, desiring to open its treasures to God's people. Uh, what are some things you've learned in preaching Galatians that might be helpful for me to know? Mm. You don't have to make it interesting. You don't have to use the letter to the Galatians as a launching off point for our preacher cleverness mm. or funniness or insight. All we want to do, you know, Spurgeon said, of course, you don't have to defend the, the Bible. I'd sooner defend a lion, just let it out of the cage, that kind of idea. <laughs> You can, you could, I can make it boring. I am all the time. I am reducing the glory and the wonder of the scripture in a book like Galatians, but I don't have to work to make it interesting. Just let it out. Just get out of the way in a sense, let it out and tell people what the text is saying, neither more nor less, and then use your utmost with the English language to communicate that with vivid, visceral imagery. I mean, that's what I'm all I'm trying to do each week. So uh, don't don't that don't so dishonor God and his word that you come to the letter of the Galatians to the Galatians or any other book of the Bible and think, OK, now, how do I flower this up? How do I give this some help? Uh, no, we just want to unfold it and open up what exegete. That's what that means. Expound it. Uh, let it come out. And a footnote to that is and I say this cautiously mindful of the wide variety of listeners and their education and background and capacities and so on. But it really helps to be working on the original languages. So I'm, I'm not, I know we're not all going to know them when we're not all going to know them at the same level, but we can all be growing because there's so many helps out there for us, both in terms of books and digital mm -hmm. electronic helps. Yeah. We can all be growing in whatever facility we have in the original languages and uh, uh, so it will, I mean, uh, I really felt the weight of that as I was preaching through Galatians, Justin, because mm. uh, the ESV, great translation, but it's a translation. It's a translation. It's, it's not what Paul wrote. And when I'm reading the Greek, I'm seeing what he actually wrote. And a good translation is great. That's what I'm going to preach out of. That's the word of God as it is faithful to the original text. But I feel and see the exact nuance and contours of the meaning that Paul is saying when I'm looking at the original. Mm. So that's just a gentle, open-hearted mm. exhortation to the listeners. Yeah, I want to ask a follow-up question to, to each yeah. of those points. Let's, let's start with that, what you just said. Can you think of a moment as you were looking at Galatians, getting ready to preach, where, where the original language, where the Greek there really helped you understand more fully? Is there, is there an example that comes to mind? Well, uh, yes, yeah, several. One is Galatians 3.10. Let's see, I'm opening up now. Galatians 3.10 in the ESV, all who, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. It's a good translation. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. What the original text most woodenly or literally says is, for all who are of works of law are mm -hmm. under a curse. Uh, does that mean rely on? Yes, but you can feel the difference. There's a bit of a dilution to mm -hmm. what, what diluting effect to what Paul is saying when we move from simply of works of law 
to rely on works of law. Paul's not, Paul's talking about what is at the ofness level within us? What is bubbling mm. up from way down deep within? Not just what do I self-consciously rely on? Uh, what am I of? Uh, mm. I want to be of faith. And actually it goes on to say, uh, it, it goes on to say uh, verse 12 of Galatians 3, but the law is not of faith. There it retains the wooden mm-hmm. literal translation. So we, we need to see the, the two polar opposite alternatives there. Are you of works or of faith? What is that principle that you are of yeah. way down deep? That's a yeah. little different. So there's an example where actually seeing the original helps you preach it and teach it in a way that is really maximally tracking with what Paul's mm-hmm. talking about. Thanks for that example. The, the, my other question is, uh, could you give us an example? You, you mentioned you don't need to dress this up. You don't need to make it interesting. I mean, don't be boring. Don't mm-hmm. don't sap the text by your your uh, your delivery necessarily. Can you think of an example of you you preach Galatians and and then you have a conversation with someone in your church where just the clear teaching of the text has made an impact. Before we get back to our conversation, we want to let you know how you can become a member of the Reformation Fellowship. You've heard our heart here in interviews. You you hear it every time a new episode opens up. You hear we, we're here to gather like-minded, like-hearted gospel ministers to uh, know one another, to encourage one another, and to partner together for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. That's what we're about. And if that's your heart, you can go to reffellowship.org and register free membership. That gets you access to some some discounts, some free goodies, access to we're going to do some live live conversations through Zoom with church leaders, with leading theologians and scholars as well. So go there to, to find out all about the benefits of membership. But I do want to draw your attention to one more benefit. March 22nd, 2022. In Naperville, Illinois, we're going to host a Reformation Fellowship gathering. It is a gathering for members of the fellowship and special invitees only. So we hope you'll join the fellowship. And we also hope you will consider joining us for what we're calling the Welcome to the Fellowship Gathering. This is a gathering of pastors, planters, theologians, and leaders seeking to know and encourage each other as well as to consider an invitation to greater gospel unity and partnership. The schedule will include plenary addresses by leaders such as Michael Reeves, Dane Ortland, and Dustin Binge, as well as specific times for intentional networking and fellowship. It's a one-day gathering hosted by Naperville Presbyterian Church there in Naperville, Illinois. Again, go to reffellowship.org to join the Reformation Fellowship and to find details about the Welcome to the Fellowship Gathering. That's March 22nd, 2022. We hope you'll put it on your calendar, and we hope to see you there. Mm. Wow. Well, um, yeah, one one text does come to mind and a, a reaction to it, and that is uh, in Galatians 4. Paul says uh, in Galatians 4.19, He says, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Mm. Paul is comparing himself to a pregnant woman. Mm. And he's saying, you Galatians are my child. 
And what I am doing is he's, he's basically saying I'm in birth pains. I'm in labor uh, and I'm not getting any painkiller, but mm. I'm in the anguish of labor, the waves of labor. You and I have both been with our wives as they've been in labor. That it's mm-hmm. those waves of pain that is unlike anything else. Paul's experiencing that relationally and spiritually. Why? So that uh, not so that children would be physically, literally born, but so that Christ would be formed within them. So this is a very vivid, earthy image. Um, and and I, I just wanted to say to the people, hey, that is what we, that's what Davey and I, my associate pastor and the elders here are longing for and every Monday night at eight o'clock praying for. We're not praying mainly for better circumstances in your life or that your 401k does well or that your kid gets into that school. Uh, the things that Naperville people tend to chase after is just typical mm-hmm. America. We're, we're praying all at the end of the day that Christ is formed within you. And, um, and uh, I, I would like to grow more to be a pastor for whom that is akin to labor pains. Yeah. And um, the response from folks who, who hear that well, I think of one woman in particular who a couple of times throughout our time in Galatians came up to me and said, um, and, and this is the kind of comment that actually makes up for 10 criticisms. <laughs> um, she came up to me and, and once, at least once she had tears in her eyes. She said, Dane, I feel like I'm understanding the gospel for the first time in my life. This is not a young woman. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm understanding the gospel for the first time in my life. I know I've heard it before but it's like it's coming home. And, mm. and uh, she was talking about Ephesians 1, the eyes of your heart being enlightened. Paul said that to, to Christians. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. What, what's he talking about? That it goes from 2D to 3D, from audio to video, that it clicks into reality. Reality with God, as Schaefer would say. So uh, that is such wind in my sails to, tr- to preach again the next week when someone will say that. Uh, instead of coming up, and when I use an illustration, they make some personal anecdotal comment uh, about the illustration that actually has nothing to do with the heart of the sermon. And someone says, wow, the, the gospel's coming live to me like it never mm. has before. That is the point. You know, it reminds me of um, Albrecht Dürer when he, he had heard that Luther had been kidnapped and he writes a letter. And three times, I think, in the letter, he says, who will make the word of God clear to us. Hmm. And what he really saw in, in, in Luther was just that he didn't get in the way of the word, that he, he, he more than other men seemed to be able to help, help the word shine forth, the word be clear. Amen. And the power of that is, um, well, it, it, I think he would say it changed the country and yes. <laughs> changed the world. That's right. So, oh man, oh, praise God. We've talked about preparing to preach Galatians, letting it speak, letting the word of God be clear. What might be, though, um, as I prepare to, to preach Galatians, are there some stumbling blocks that I need to be aware of as I, as I come to this book in particular? Well, one thing comes to mind, and this, is the, this was the number one thing that I learned from my doctoral supervisor, Doug Moo, who's a Galatians scholar, and that is, let the text mess with your theology. Don't let your theology tell you what the text must mean in a predetermined mm. way. Uh, all we we all come to the text with a theological framework and and so on uh, uh, presuppositions. We can't help it. We all do that. Okay, great. Now, having acknowledged that, 
I want to let the text, when, when Adolf Schlatter in the 1800s went to the University of Berlin to teach New Testament there, uh, he was asked, do you stand on the Bible? And his answer was, no, I stand under the Bible. And he was a, a, a godly evangelical scholar. And the point is, I'm going to let the Bible tell me what truth is, not come to the Bible and, and assume I know what it must mean. And Galatians is a great, <laughs> a great test case in that because it actually surprises you at turn after turn. It's not always what I expected as I preached through it this year for the first time and read through it for the thousandth time. For mm. example, Galatians 5, 5 and 6, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. What in the world does that mean? There mm. we have righteousness language as justification language, dikaiosune, same word, uh, and it says it's out in the future. Now, as good Protestant Orthodox evangelicals, we believe we are justified. Romans 5, 1, having been justified by faith. We don't believe there's anything that we need to worry about it for the future with regard to justification. Okay, fine. I believe that. Well, I will die for that truth. But I've got a deal with Galatians 5, 5. Mm -hmm. Through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Mm -hmm. So there's a good case where I want to let the text inform my theology and tweak it if need be, not my theology um, explain away the text, because then in my preaching, it's going to lose the power. Then it's not the word being unleashed. It's my preconceived ideas, and that lacks power. Yeah, that's good. So, Dane, as you studied Galatians this year, as you prepared to preach, and as you thought about application, as you thought about um, the ways this book speaks to, at the very least, the, the believers at Naperville Press, mm. How have you found Galatians speaks to the life of a 21st century believer? Ooh, well, at one level, the exact same way it speaks to the life of a 20th century or 10th century or 1st century believer, mm -hmm. um, settling them in the gospel of grace. But that's not what you're asking. Mm -hmm. um, I think one, one thing that comes to mind there, Justin, is Galatians, it's amazing that Galatians 2 and Galatians 5 are both in the Bible. They're both in the same book. In Galatians 2, here we have Paul publicly upbraiding a fellow apostle, mm. standing up. This is not like pulling him aside, publicly upbraiding him, because it was a public offense and error, as mm. uh, Peter was refusing to withdrawing from eating with the Gentiles. Okay, um, so there's Paul in Galatians 2, and he is just letting Peter have it. And, uh, uh, you know, um, what, what a confrontation. That's the same apostle, Paul. That's the same guy who a few chapters later says, hey, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, mm -hmm. kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, <laughs> self-control. And you want to think, holy cow, is this guy schizophrenic or did he, you know, did he write the first half of the letter one year and then grew <laughs> and softened a bunch and then a decade later, later wrote the second half of the letter? What's going on here? No. Apparently, apostolic Christianity is both Galatians 2 and 5. Mm. It is both grace and truth. It is both love and doctrine. It's both yeah. hard and soft. You know, Schaefer said you can either be bold or you can be soft and gentle. 
um, one or the other in the flesh. You can only be both together at the same time in the spirit. And mm -hmm. I think that's true manifestly as evidence from Galatians. So we live in a time and a culture where we are not supposed to tell people they're wrong. Uh, but if it's true for them, fine. As long as they're sincere, let it be true for them. That's not how Paul acted. But nor, yeah. on the other hand, are we supposed to be going around as the doctrine police telling everyone how they're wrong, correcting their error, uh, because Galatians 5 is, in the, is there in the Scripture. So that's not right either. It's both total courage and a supreme gentleness mm -hmm. together. That's a seasonable word for us in the 21st century. Amen. That is a that is a good word, and it leads us to to the end of our conversation. We've we've covered some good ground in Galatians. I know, just like you said, we could uh, you could have preached weeks on one paragraph. Right. We could have talked about about many of these things uh, a lot longer. Uh, but as we wrap up, I wonder what resources come to mind as you think of helping a believer or maybe especially someone preparing to preach Galatians, what resources would you point them to? Mm. Well, we live in an age that is such an abundance and embarrassment of riches, don't we? And there's a lot out there. Let me mention two I found really helpful. Number one, Luther. Uh, I actually said to the people a couple of times early on in the sermon series on Galatians this year, Justin, you actually are, are getting not a sermon series on Galatians. You're getting a you're getting a series on Luther on Galatians. Uh, I made Luther my mm -hmm. constant companion. So did my fellow pastor who preached a, a handful of the sermons in the series, and um, uh, he tends to say the, th the same thing on page after page. But I want someone saying that one thing to me on page after page. It was just glorious. So Luther on Galatians Crossway has a nice little just 200 page or so kind of condensed. Uh, abridgment of Luther's commentary, 1535 commentary in Galatians. It's the mature Luther. Uh, John Stott. Oh, mm. the guy is so lucid, so clear, so helpful in breaking down mm. the text. He was just a master exegete. And so John Stott's little commentary in the Bible Speaks Today series that I think Aetner Varsity does, Stott is himself the New Testament editor, was the New Testament editor of it. Uh, that's a very nice commentary as well. Mm, wonderful. So thank you for those recommendations. And thank you, Dane, for joining us for this second of three conversations on the book of Galatians. Been such a such a rich conversation. Thank you, Dane. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really enjoyed it, Justin. Thank you. We're so glad you've joined us here on the Reformation Fellowship podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, in all those places, do not hesitate to reach out. Let us know how we can serve you, pray for you, serve your churches in any way possible. God bless. <laughs>